Hi, Michaela. Hello, Steve. Well, today we're going to be asking some more viewer questions. And the first one is, I'm ready for a serious relationship. How do I know if a man is right for me? Ah, that's a great question. And so as we go into the question of how do we find a partner with whom we can have the kind of relationship we want, uh, there's a few things to consider. So I think I want to talk about a few principles and then we'll go into the specifics of the uh, determination, what is a right partner and the search process, so to speak. And so our questioner said um, she wants a serious relationship. And so I'm assuming what she means with serious relationship is long-term committed, uh, perhaps children, monogamous, most likely. Um, that's not entirely clear, but that's what I assume she means with serious, somebody with whom she can build a life in the goals she has, right? So when we look at that, we have to look at um, why do we want relationship and what are we bringing into relationship and how that then influences who is right for us, right? Because one of the things that still plagues us, uh, particularly as, as women sometimes plagues us because we grow up with it, is this fairy tale situation of, there is a right person, uh, there's a soulmate, a twin flame, you know, all of that, that a lot of people really subscribe to as that's the way it is. You meet the person, um, you fall in love, and you live happily ever after. And while, of course, there is instances why, where that happens seamlessly and beautifully, for most people, that's not exactly how it plays out, simply because uh, we have so many options and we're also quite complex. Uh, and by the time we're ready for a serious relationship these days, which is typically later than how it used to be, at least say in my parents' generation, um, there is a lot more baggage on one end, but also a lot more distinction. So um, that whole fairy tale is going to be right. We don't have to do any work. It's going to be amazing, happily ever after. Um, is not very likely to occur unless um, all the stars are aligned, right? And everything's exactly perfect, right? And that's not uh, very likely for many people. I'm not saying it's impossible, but not very likely for many people. So what we have to look at as a principle first is what it is that attracts us to somebody because most people do not want to go, get into a relationship with somebody particularly a serious relationship with somebody who they are not attracted to and so attraction both let's say erotic spark as well as the attraction to wanting to build a life with somebody is uh, something that most of us are very keen on and uh, that of course then means that we are attracted to certain qualities and certain behaviors in that person that either feel very exciting, very safe, or very familiar to us. So there's, there's different ways that we can look at it. So often what feels very familiar to us and very safe is the very thing that we know from our childhood imprints. It's the way we've seen relationship occur around us when we were younger and it's also how we were related to 
Now, best case scenario is you grew up with people who had a good relationship, your parents or whoever raised you, who had a great relationship and who also treated you really well and very loving and kind. And then, of course, um, you have an imprint of love being available, um, care being available, uh, you know, good connection, um, feeling safe, feeling nurtured, feeling encouraged, feeling challenged. Um, you have had parents who were happily married and had a lovely relationship with not too much strife. That could be one imprint. There's also other imprints, uh, which are the imprints of things that are happening um, that are you know, not so optimal. Divorces, fights in the family, um, patterns of attention from the parents towards us that were less than healthy, like for instance, uh, somebody only got attention, lots of attention when they acted out and otherwise they were somewhat neglected. That's a relationship pattern that will most likely imprint itself, but it's not a, a welcome pattern or a, or a positive constructive pattern. So these imprints are very strong and these imprints um, take different forms. So one of the things we've talked about before on the podcast, because it always comes up, is attachment styles, of course, is one of those aspects that people are nowadays aware of, where essentially how we attach to our parents is an imprint that we carry into relationship. So there's that, of course, and most people nowadays know about that, that some people, um, you know, are very uh, afraid of um you know, a certain kind of relationship based on their attachment style or they're avoidant or, you know, they're anxious and things of that nature. So that's been kind of trodden over and we've talked about it before. But there's also something that I think is equally important and that um, I focused on a lot in my couples counseling work over the years, which is the kind of um, either perceived or uh, real, you know, and what I'm what I mean with perceived the real, I I'll explain in a second. Uh, imprint that comes from how people treated us. So perceived uh, imprint. Well, I should start with real imprint. So real imprint would be something that can be observed when you look back onto the way you were raised. So, for instance, um, I could ask friends of my parents. Uh, and say, how did you perceive my parents raising me? And then I would hear in this, in my case, um, well, you know, your parents gave you strong boundaries, but they were very loving. Um, you know, you weren't allowed to do certain things, but, you know, you had a lot of freedom here. So they could narrate that because it's actually happening on the, on the surface. And then there's the perceived imprint or the perceived connection with the parents, which is things we perceive based on our limited view. Because as children, of course, we have a limited view of our environment. So sometimes what we think is happening isn't really what's happening, but that's still a real imprint to us. So I've talked about this, I think, once before on, on the podcast or in, maybe in a workshop. I used to have this client who had a real hard time um, staying connected with any partner uh, because he just didn't trust that a woman would be there for him when he needed her. And so he always had these short-term, very uncommitted relationships and he wanted to change it and he just couldn't. And eventually we came to the 
bottom of it, which was a very specific incident where his mom was washing their car uh, in the front driveway and uh, he fell and he skinned both of his knees. He was a very small toddler. And he was screaming and screaming and screaming. And he remembers the blood gushing off his knees and him feeling so helpless and his mother didn't come. And it made him back then decide that he couldn't rely on his mother to love him and care for him. He became extremely self-sufficient. And he also became very unwilling to connect with somebody. And we were lucky enough to have his mother be able to come in because she was living in the same town and everything. And she recalled the incident as her not having heard him and because she had the car radio on and the water running. And when she finally had washed the car and she heard him cry, she was terrified that he was back there alone. And she comforted him and she took care of him and she never left him out of her sight that long. But to him, that was like a total break in relationship. To her, it was one unfortunate incident, even though she could remember that he became more withdrawn from her. So that's perceived imprint versus, let's say, somewhat more apparent imprint, both of which influences whom we pick as partners when we're grown adults, and particularly whom we pick as partners when we want to get into serious relationship, because we either pick what's familiar to us, or we pick what's imprinted and has given us the most love and attention, or we try to avoid something that has happened to us, uh, some injury or pain, perceived or real, right? Because it makes no difference. And some people, of course, have very traumatic upbringings, very abusive upbringings, or upbringings where things happened that were really quite horrendous. So our choice of partner depends very greatly on that with either wanting to avoid certain things or having some unexamined stuff around uh, picking somebody who will act out the behaviors of our parents later on. And the important thing here is later on because they don't look like they're going to behave like we know it, but eventually they'll get there. And then there's always the question, did we bring it on or did we pick them because they had that latent, right? There's always that kind of question as well, uh, because that's always um, kind of the wild card is uh, do our behaviors and how we behave shape the people we are with as well. And I would think that's to a certain degree, definitely possible. Let's, let's say it that way. So all that said, when she, when somebody says I want a serious partner, and I want uh, you know to enter into a serious relationship, how do I determine who is a good person for me? The first thing to look at is those imprints. The first thing to look at is what are are we used to as as relational beings, and then the next thing to look at. So meaning, what do we want to avoid? What do we really want in a partner? but not just in the wish list of manifestation, but in the retrospective look at how has it imprinted in us in our childhood. And then as a next step, what are the patterns of our past relationships? Because that's also very telling. Uh, and that tells us something about the imprint, of course, right? If the last three relationships uh, were with, uh, in her case, men, 
who didn't want to commit, uh, but they, you know, they said all the right things and they did all the right things. But when it came down to it, they were nowhere to be found. That's a good indicator on the imprint and the expectation. Or uh, all three of those last three dates were really, really, really into her. Um, and then when she kind of opened, they were gone. You know, like those kind of patterns, they have an origin in what we've experienced in past relationship as well as in uh, family imprints. So I think that's the first thing to look at uh, before even considering how to be or, or how to start a relationship. And of course, the next thing to look at, which is also important, is what's the purpose of the relationship? And we've talked about this before. Um, and, you know, I'll always talk about it because it's so important. And it's one of the things that really, really um, bites people in the you know what, um, when, when uh, you know, a bit of time has passed. And that is, uh, if you're not aligned in your relationship goals, then you're going to have a very hard time maintaining a good relationship. So when she says, I want to be in a serious relationship, that needs to be really fleshed out. What does that mean? What is the goal of the relationship? Is it marriage and children? Is it, um, you know, traveling the world and having adventure? Is it a large family, a small family? Is it a religious uh, uh, orientation in child rearing as well as in community building? Or is it, um, you know, an open relationship with multiple partners in different locations? Is it something that includes uh, running a business together or um, being artistic? Um, you know, all of those things make a, make a real big difference in fleshing out beforehand in how to choose a partner. So that would be the next step. First step is what are the imprints? What are the red flags? What, what can we determine uh, will work and not work? What's most likely going to be attractive to us based on our imprints? What of that do we want? What of that do we need to guard against? And then what's the purpose of the relationship? What is the relationship going to be about? And then the next step is what is it that she is bringing or we all as humans, right? This is not just for her, but what are we bringing to relationship? Meaning what are our values and also what are our skills? What are our weak points? Um, and what makes us uh, kind of an interesting and fun person to be in relationship with? And those are the three things to look at and the kind of underlying principles before going out and choosing a partner. Because then the choosing of the partner is not just, oh, I have a big wish list um, of what my man looks like, but we're much, much more realistic as to, well, is that wish list of what my man looks like really aligning with what I want? And very often that's not the case. So for instance, a classic one that I've, I hear over and over and over, it's kind of, oh, I want this, uh, you know, wildly adventurous guy who, you know, go, does extreme sports and, um, you know, like works out and goes on these adventures with me and, and all of that, right? And that's, that's often a big value, uh, this kind of, you know, mountain man or 
paragliding adventurous sky but then at this when when it really comes down the the woman who wants that is kind of a homebody and uh, her idea of a good time is you know Netflix on the couch with the with with the cat and uh, and and you know a few friends over maybe once in a while well that doesn't really match up and that's then a real problem so by aligning uh, our goals and our purpose of relationship with what kind of person would have those same goals and the same purpose of relationship makes a huge difference in choosing and so to round this up how does she then choose a man well she sh there should be very, very specific criteria as to what that man would look like based on her requirements. And I'm not talking dark, tall, and handsome. I'm talking about um, orientation in life, goals, profession, um, you know, athleticism, uh, preferences, religious beliefs, foods, you know, preferences as well. If you're a vegan, uh, that requires a certain kind of a person, right? Versus if you are a hunter, that requires a certain kind of a person. So the more distinct the criteria is, the easier it is to uh, find out how to choose a person. But then the last thing I want to say about that is that often the person that we know we should choose is definitely not the person we want because we all have these ideal uh, scenarios and these I idealized ideas of what we are in relationship to a partner. So often it's good to have that list. And then, of course, there comes some totally different person. And very often what happens then is people throw their list to the wind and just engage in that relationship. And then that relationship ends like the last few relationships. So it's really important when somebody saying, I want a serious relationship with the right kind of person to ask all the right questions and look under the hood, so to speak, of that person carefully and not just throw caution to the wind and go with the amazing cocktail of newness and excitement and bonding hormones and uh, romantic infatuation and fairy tale uh, lust, right? And, and really kind of go, whoa, this isn't what I determined it needs to be and be very, very careful there and potentially also get the support of a few people who can be trusted to say, look, you said you wanted this. Now we're back to, you know, the old pattern and at least flag that on occasion. And then while we're on the subject of serious relationship and finding the right person, one of the things that we often get asked, right, and, and this is a regular question is, I am ready to have children and I'm at an age where I should have children. Um, how do I uh, pick the right person to have children with and what do I do if I'm not in a relationship, right? And that is, of course, a real consideration. And it's kind of an interesting consideration because like I was saying, I mean, my parents got married when they were 24, I think. And that was somewhat considered, you know, somewhat later at that time. Um, and uh, so, you know, fertility wasn't really an issue at that point. Um, meaning, you know, my parents got married and had children right away. I was born a year 
you know, after my parents got married and that was that. And, um, you know, you, you didn't have to consider such things. But nowadays, of course, first of all, some people don't get married. Some people don't get into relationships till later. And many women don't want to have children till they're in their 30s or even later because we have other options and we also want other things. And also, it's not as easy anymore for a lot of people to find somebody who wants children early. This is not just women don't want children early anymore. Now, you know, this is not true to for everyone at all circumstances, but we hear it, of course, in kind of urban environments, particularly where people don't want to have children till their mid-30s or even late 30s, both men and women. So the problem there is that, of course, it becomes a lot more difficult as we get older, not just because of fertility in itself, but we're much more set in our ways. Um, a lot of people have really established careers that they don't want to completely give up to have children. So then there's childcare and there's all these other kinds of considerations that are quite big. And then even if fertility is still strong, often the kind of stressful, heavy duty lifestyle with a lot of computer stuff, a lot of bright lights, a lot of sometimes travel or late night you know, stuff um, has a toll on the endocrine system and on the reproductive system in a way that it's not quite as easy anymore. So with that said, um, you know, one of the things that I've heard again and again recently, and I think is true, it's a really kind of a weird thing to say, is I've heard people say, I wish I would have frozen my eggs in my early 20s. Right? And then would have had options. And that's a that's a kind of a wild thing to consider, but it's not exactly a bad thing to consider. Now, of course, you know, that kind of stuff is fickle and it's not an easy thing to decide from a whole bunch of different viewpoints, um, both, let's say, ethical or spiritual and also money viewpoint, right? Different people have different considerations around that, but it's definitely something that I think needs to be said on occasion is that if you do know that you want children, and if you don't know if you want children early in your life, or if you don't know if you will find the kind of partner with whom you can have mm -hmm. children, then um, taking precautions early is the way to go. And it's kind of interesting because I just recently talked with a woman um, who uh, was involved in starting a, a whole uh, service for young women around that where essentially um, there's financial support available and there's logistical support available at a time where fertility is super high. And uh, that's, you know, that, that's something that I have never actually really thought about till recently when there was a whole series of women who I know in my you know who are in like their mid to late 30s who are in my circle of friends and our students who were really suffering from wanting children now and not having a partner yet or not having the fertility needed anymore so I think I just want to flag that as something 
you know, that's worth considering and there's good resources. But now let's say somebody wants a partner and wants to have a child with a partner in their mid thirties. Um, then of course, the thing to consider there is it needs to be somebody who's willing to do that. And the selection process there, unfortunately, is the same as I've just described. Is it the right person with whom you want to have children? Is it the right person with whom you want to have a life, ideally? But even more importantly, is this a person who wants children with you in the next couple of years? And that kind of narrows the field. And it's a rough situation because who wants to sit down on the first date and say, so do you want children? Uh, that's 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 a rough dating opener, so to speak. But unfortunately, it is the dating opener, and it's it's kind of the way to approach the dating um, you know considerations is to be super open about it from the beginning and really put it out as something that's very important because otherwise, you know, years might be lost and or or real you know, hard feelings will occur. And that's uh, not a good thing. And I think the last thing I want to say about that is when somebody says to you, I don't want children, that's to be taken at face value and not, oh, when we've been together for a while, I'll talk him around or things will change once we're in a committed relationship. So that's super, super important. When somebody says to you, I don't want children. That means it, that's the statement and that shouldn't be hoped for that it changes. Now, could it change? Absolutely. But you don't want to bank on that when it's something that important. Yes, very interesting indeed, as always. So as we bring this podcast to a close, do you have any concluding thoughts on this subject? Yeah, this is, of course, a big subject and we've only uh, hit on a few uh you know, short points here. Uh, we could endlessly go over every single detail and maybe we'll do a kind of a, a much more specific, um, ask people to send in much more specific questions. Um, that I think we'll do that at some point soon. Uh, but I think the important thing is to remember, um, make sure that your relationship patterns are examined. Make sure you're very clear on the purpose of your relationship. Make sure that you're very clear, not only on your values, but also on your value in relationship. And I mean that in the best way. What are you contributing? What are your gifts? What is fun about you? What's amazing about you that you can bring to a partner? That's that's equally as important as knowing what you want from a partner is that you know what is really good about you and that you're able to also narrate that and bring that to the table. Uh, which is not easy for most people, right? We're not used to talking about what's great about us for most of us. And then, of course, considerations around children and also other lifestyle choices that are very specific need to be really addressed from the get-go. And whoever is making the choosing needs to also make sure that uh, that is defined so that you can speak about it in searching for a mate. So it's crystal clear from the beginning. And I think that's, you know, that's uh, all I want to say about that right now. And uh, we'll see what questions come from here. Thank you very much, Michaela. Thank you, Steve.